part four section nine of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain concerning that objection against the doctrine which has been maintained that it makes god the author of sin it is urged by armenians that the doctrine of the necessity of men's volitions or their necessary connection with antecedent events and circumstances makes the first cause and supreme orderer of all things the author of sin in that he has so constituted the state and course of things that sinful volitions become necessary in consequence of his disposal dr whitby in his discourse on the freedom of the will cites one of the ancients as on his side declaring that this opinion of the necessity of the will absolves sinners as doing nothing of their own accord which was evil and would cast all the blame of all the wickedness committed in the world upon god and upon his providence if that were admitted by the asserters of this faith whether he himself did necessitate them to do these things or ordered matters so that they should be constrained to do them by some other cause and the doctor says in another place in the nature of the thing and in the opinion of philosophers causa deficiens in rebus nic serius ad causam per se efficientem reducenda est in things necessary the deficient cause must be reduced to the efficient and in this case the reason is evident because the not doing what is required or not avoiding what is forbidden being a defect must follow from the position of the necessary cause of that deficiency concerning this i would observe the following things one if there be any difficulty in this matter it is nothing peculiar to this scheme it is no difficulty or disadvantage wherein it is distinguished from the scheme of armenians and therefore not reasonably objected by them dr whitby supposes that if sin necessarily follows from god withholding assistance or if that assistance be not given which is absolutely necessary to the avoiding of evil then in the nature of the thing god must be as properly the author of that evil as if he were the efficient cause of it from whence according to what he himself says of the devils and damned spirits god must be the proper author of their perfect unrestrained wickedness he must be the efficient cause of the great pride of the devils and of their perfect malignity against god christ his saints and all that is good and of the insatiable cruelty of their disposition for he allows that god has so forsaken them and does so withhold his assistance from them that they are incapacitated from doing good and determined only to evil our doctrine in its consequence makes god the author of men's sin in this world no more and in no other sense than his doctrine in its consequence makes god the author of the hellish pride and malice of the devils and doubtless the latter is as odious an effect as the former again if it will follow at all that god is the author of sin from what has been supposed of a sure and infallible connection between antecedents and consequence it will follow because of this viz that for god to be the author or orderer of those things which he knows beforehand will infallibly be attended with such a consequence is the same thing in effect as for him to be the author of that consequence but if this be so this is a difficulty which equally attends the doctrine of armenians themselves 
at least of those of them who allow gods certain foreknowledge of all events for on the supposition of such a foreknowledge this is the case with respect to every sin that is committed god knew that if he ordered and brought to pass such and such events such sins would infallibly follow as for instance god certainly foreknew long before judas was born that if he ordered things so that there should be such a man born at such a time and at such a place and that his life should be preserved and that he should in divine providence be led into acquaintance with jesus and that his heart should be so influenced by god's spirit or providence as to be inclined to be a follower of christ and that he should be one of those twelve which should be chosen constantly to attend him as his family and that his health should be preserved so that he should go up to jerusalem at the last passover in christ's life and it should be so ordered that judas should see christ's kind treatment of the woman which anointed him at bethany and have that reproof from christ which he had at that time and see and hear other things which excited his enmity against his master and other circumstances should be ordered as they were ordered it would most certainly and infallibly follow that judas would betray his lord and would soon after hang himself and die impenitent and be sent to hell for his horrid wickedness therefore this supposed difficulty ought not to be brought as an objection against the scheme which has been maintained as disagreeing with the armenian scheme seeing it is no difficulty owing to such a disagreement but a difficulty wherein the armenians share with us that must be unreasonably made an objection against our differing from them which we should not escape or avoid at all by agreeing with them and therefore i would observe too they who object that this doctrine makes god the author of sin ought distinctly to explain what they mean by that phrase the author of sin i know the phrase as it is commonly used signifies something very ill if by the author of sin be meant the sinner the agent or actor of sin or the doer of a wicked thing so it would be a reproach and blasphemy to suppose god to be the author of sin in this sense i utterly deny god to be the author of sin rejecting such an imputation on the most high as what is infinitely to be abhorred and deny any such thing to be the consequence of what i have laid down but if by the author of sin is meant the permitter or not a hinderer of sin and at the same time a disposer of the state of events in such a manner for wise holy and most excellent ends and purposes that sin if it be permitted or not hindered will most certainly and infallibly follow i say if this be all that is meant by being the author of sin i do not deny that god is the author of sin though i dislike and reject the phrase as that which by use and custom is apt to carry another sense it is no reproach for the most high to be thus the author of sin this is not to be the actor of sin but on the contrary of holiness what god doth herein is holy and a glorious exercise of the infinite excellency of his nature and i do not deny that god being thus the author of sin follows from what i have laid down and i assert that it equally follows from the doctrine which is maintained by most of the armenian divines that it is most certainly so that god is in such a manner the disposer and orderer of sin is evident if any credit is to be given to the scripture as well as because it is impossible in the nature of things to be otherwise in such a manner god ordered the obstinacy of pharaoh in his refusing to obey god's commands to let the people go exodus four twenty one 
i will harden his heart and he shall not let the people go chapter seven two through five aaron thy brother shall speak unto pharaoh that he send the children of israel out of his land and i will harden pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of egypt but pharaoh shall not hearken unto you but i may lay mine hand upon egypt by great judgments etc chapter nine twelve and the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh and he hearkened not unto them as the lord had spoken unto moses chapter ten one two and the lord said unto moses go in unto pharaoh for i have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that i might show these my signs before him and that thou mayest tell it in the ears of thy son and thy son's son what things i have wrought in egypt and my signs which i have done amongst them that ye may know that i am the lord chapter fourteen four and i will harden pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them and i will be honoured upon pharaoh and upon all his host verse eight and the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh king of egypt and he pursued after the children of israel and it is certain that in such a manner god for wise and good ends ordered that event joseph being sold into egypt by his brethren genesis forty five five now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither for god did send me before you to preserve life verse seven eight god did send me before you to preserve a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so that now it was not you that sent me hither but god psalms one hundred and seven seventeen he sent a man before them even joseph who was sold for a servant it is certain that thus god ordered the sin and folly of sihon king of the amorites in refusing to let the people of israel pass by him peaceably deuteronomy two thirty but sihon king of heshbon would not let us pass by him for the lord thy god hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into thine hand it is certain that god thus ordered the sin and folly of the kings of canaan that they attempted not to make peace with israel but with a stupid boldness and obstinacy set themselves violently to oppose them and their god joshua eleven twenty for it was of the lord to harden their hearts that they should come against israel in battle that he might destroy them utterly and that they might have no favour but that he might destroy them as the lord commanded moses it is evident that thus god ordered the treacherous rebellion of zedekiah against the king of babylon jeremiah fifty two three for through the anger of the lord it came to pass in jerusalem and judah until he had cast them out from his presence that jedekiah rebelled against the king of babylon so second kings twenty four twenty and it is exceeding manifest that god thus ordered the rapine and unrighteous ravages of nebuchadnezzar in spoiling and ruining the nations round about jeremiah twenty five nine behold i will send and take all the families of the north saith the lord and nebuchadnezzar my servant and will bring them against this land and against all the nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and an hissing and perpetual desolations chapter forty three ten eleven i will send and take nebuchadnezzar the king of babylon my servant and i will set his throne upon these stones that i have hid and he shall spread his royal pavilion over them and when he cometh he shall smite the land of egypt and deliver such as are for death to death and such as are for captivity to captivity and such as are for the sword to the sword thus god represents himself as sending for nebuchadnezzar and taking him 
and his armies and bringing him against the nations which were to be destroyed by him to that very end that he might utterly destroy them and make them desolate and as appointing the work that he should do so particularly that the very persons were designed that he should kill with the sword and those that should be killed with famine and pestilence and those that should be carried into captivity and that in doing all these things he should act as his servant by which less cannot be intended than that he should serve his purposes and designs and in jeremiah twenty seven four through six god declares how he would cause him thus to serve his designs viz by bringing this to pass in his sovereign disposals as the great possessor and governor of the universe that disposes all things just as pleases him thus saith the lord of hosts the god of israel i have made the earth the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and my stretched out arm and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me and now i have given all these lands into the hands of nebuchadnezzar my servant and the beasts of the field have i given also to serve him and nebuchadnezzar is spoken of as doing these things by having his arms strengthened by god and having god's sword put into his hands for this end ezekiel thirty twenty four twenty five twenty six yea god speaks of his terribly ravaging and wasting the nations and cruelly destroying all sorts without distinction of sex or age as the weapon in god's hand and the instrument of his indignation which god makes use of to fulfil his own purposes and execute his own vengeance jeremiah fifty one twenty etc thou art my battle-axe and weapons of war for with thee will i break in pieces the nations and with thee i will destroy kingdoms and with thee i will break in pieces the horse and his rider and with thee i will break in pieces the chariot and his rider with thee also will i break in pieces man and woman and with thee i will break in pieces old and young and with thee will i break in pieces the young man and the maid etc it is represented that the designs of nebuchadnezzar and those that destroyed jerusalem never could have been accomplished had not god determined them lamentations three thirty seven who is he that saith and it cometh to pass and the lord commandeth it not and yet the king of babylon thus destroying the nations and especially the jews is spoken of as his great wickedness for which god finally destroyed him isaiah fourteen four through six twelve habakkuk two five through twelve and jeremiah chapter fifty and fifty one it is most manifest that god to serve his own designs providentially ordered shimmy's cursing of david second samuel sixteen ten eleven the lord hath said unto him curse david let him curse for the lord hath bidden him it is certain that god thus for excellence holy gracious ends ordered the fact which they committed who were concerned in christ's death and that therein they did but fulfil god's designs as i trust no christian will deny it was the design of god that christ should be crucified and that for this end he came into the world it is very manifest by many scriptures that the whole affair of christ's crucifixion with its circumstances and the treachery of judas that made way for it was ordered in god's providence in pursuance of his purpose notwithstanding the violence that is used with those plain scriptures to obscure and pervert the sense of them acts two twenty three him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of god ye have taken and with wicked hands have crucified and slain luke twenty two twenty one twenty two but behold the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table and truly the son of man goeth as it was determined acts four twenty seven twenty eight for of a truth against the holy child jesus whom thou hast anointed both herod and pontius pilate with the gentiles and the people of israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done acts three seventeen eighteen and now brethren i wot that through ignorance ye did it as did also your rulers but these things which god before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that christ should suffer he hath so fulfilled so that what these murderers of christ did is spoken of as what god brought to pass 
or ordered and that by which he fulfilled his own word in revelations seventeen seventeen the agreeing of the kings of the earth to give their kingdom to the beast though it was a very wicked thing in them is spoken of as fulfilling god's will and what god had put into their hearts to do it is manifest that god sometimes permits sin to be committed and at the same time orders things so that if he permits the fact it will come to pass because on some accounts he sees it needful and of importance that it should come to pass matthew eighteen seven it must needs be that offences come but woe to that man by whom the offence cometh with first corinthians eleven nineteen for there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you thus it is certain and demonstrable from the holy scriptures as well as the nature of things and the principles of armenians that god permits sin and at the same time so orders things in his providence that it certainly and infallibly will come to pass in consequence of his permission i proceed to observe in the next place three that there is a great difference between god being concerned thus by his permission in an event and act which in the inherent subject and agent of it is sin though the event will certainly follow on his permission and his being concerned in it by producing it and exerting the act of sin or between his being the orderer of its certain existence by not hindering it under certain circumstances and his being the proper actor or author of it by a positive agency or efficiency and this notwithstanding what dr whitby offers about a saying of philosophers that causa deficiens in rebus necessarius ad causam per se efficientem reducenda s as there is a vast difference between the sun being the cause of the lightsomeness and warmth of the atmosphere and the brightness of gold and diamonds by its presence and positive influence and its being the occasion of darkness and frost in the night by its motion whereby it descends below the horizon the motion of the sun is the occasion of the latter kind of events but it is not the proper cause efficient or producer of them though they are necessarily consequent on that motion under such circumstances no more is any action of the divine being the cause of the evil of men's wills if the sun were the proper cause of cold and darkness it would be the fountain of these things as it is the fountain of light and heat and then something might be argued from the nature of cold and darkness to a likeness of nature in the sun and it might be justly inferred that the sun itself is dark and cold and that his beams are black and frosty but from its being the cause no otherwise than by its departure no such thing can be inferred but the contrary it may justly be argued that the sun is a bright and hot body if cold and darkness are found to be the consequence of its withdrawment and the more constantly and necessarily these effects are connected with and confined to its absence the more strongly does it argue the sun to be the fountain of light and heat so inasmuch as sin is not the fruit of any positive agency or influence of the most high but on the contrary arises from the withholding of his action and energy and under certain circumstances necessarily follows on the want of his influence this is no argument that he is sinful or his operation evil or has anything of the nature of evil but on the contrary that he and his agency are altogether good and holy and that he is the fountain of all holiness it would be strange arguing indeed because men never commit sin but only when god leaves them to themselves and necessarily sin when he does so that therefore their sin is not from themselves but from god and so that god must be a sinful being as strange as it would be to argue because it is always dark when the sun is gone and never dark when the sun is present that therefore all darkness is from the sun and that his disc and beams must needs be black for it properly belongs to the supreme and absolute governor of the universe 
to order all important events within his dominion by his wisdom but the events in the moral world are of the most important kind such as the moral actions of intelligent creatures and their consequences these events will be ordered by something they will either be disposed by wisdom or they will be disposed by chance that is they will be disposed by blind and undesigning causes if that were possible and could be called a disposal is it not better that the good and evil which happen in god's world should be ordered regulated bounded and determined by the good pleasure of an infinitely wise being who perfectly comprehends within his understanding and constant view the universality of things in all their extent and duration and sees all the influence of every event with respect to every individual thing and circumstance throughout the grand system and the whole of the eternal series of consequences than to leave these things to fall out by chance and to be determined by those causes which have no understanding or aim doubtless in these important events there is a better and a worse as to the time subject place manner and circumstances of their coming to pass with regard to their influence on the state and course of things and if there be it is certainly best that they should be determined to that time place etc which is best and therefore it is in its own nature fit that wisdom and not chance should order these things so that it belongs to the being who is the possessor of infinite wisdom and is the creator and owner of the whole system of created existences and as the care of all i say it belongs to him to take care of this matter and he would not do what is proper for him if he should neglect it and it is so far from being unholy in him to undertake this affair than it would rather have been unholy to neglect it as it would have been a neglecting what fitly appertains to him and so it would have been a very unfit and unsuitable neglect therefore the sovereignty of god doubtless extends to this matter especially considering that if god should leave men's volitions and all moral events to the determination and disposition of blind unmeaning causes or they should be left to happen perfectly without a cause this would be no more consistent with liberty in any notion of it and particularly not in the armenian notion of it than if these events were subject to the disposal of divine providence and the will of man were determined by circumstances which are ordered and disposed by divine wisdom as appears by what has been already observed but it is evident that such a providential disposing and determining of men's moral actions though it infers a moral necessity of those actions yet it does not in the least infringe the real liberty of mankind the only liberty that common sense teaches to be necessary to moral agency which as has been demonstrated is not inconsistent with such necessity on the whole it is manifest that god may be in the manner which has been described the orderer and disposer of that event which in the inherent subject and agent is moral evil and yet his so doing may be no moral evil he may will the disposal of such an event and is coming to pass for good ends and his will not be an immoral or sinful will but a perfect holy will and he may actually in his providence so dispose and permit things that the event may be certainly and infallibly connected with such disposal and permission and his act therein not be an immoral or unholy but a perfectly holy act sin may be an evil thing and yet that there should be such a disposal and permission as that it should come to pass may be a good thing this is no contradiction or inconsistence joseph's brethren selling him into egypt consider it only as it were acted by them and with respect to their views and aims which were evil was a very bad thing but it was a good thing as it was an event of god's ordering and considered with respect to his views and aims which were good genesis fifty twenty as for you ye thought evil against me but god meant it unto good so the crucifixion of christ if we consider only those things which belong to the event as it proceeded 
from his murderers and are comprehended within the compass of the affair considered as their act their principles dispositions views and aims so it was one of the most heinous things that ever was done in many respects the most horrid of all acts but consider it as it was willed and ordered of god in the extent of his designs and views it was the most admirable and glorious of all events and god willing the event was the most holy volition of god that ever was made known to men and god's act in ordering it was a divine act which above all others manifests the moral excellency of the divine being the consideration of these things may help us to a sufficient answer to the cavils of armenians concerning what has been supposed by many calvinists of a distinction between a secret and revealed will of god and their diversity one from the other supposing that the calvinists herein ascribe inconsistent wills to the most high which is without any foundation god's secret and revealed will or in other words his disposing and preceptive will may be diverse and exercised in dissimilar acts the one in disapproving and opposing the other in willing and determining without any inconsistence because although these dissimilar exercises of the divine will may in some respects relate to the same things yet in strictness they have different and contrary objects the one evil and the other good thus for instance the crucifixion of christ was a thing contrary to the revealed or preceptive will of god because as it was viewed and done by his malignant murderers it was a thing infinitely contrary to the holy nature of god and so necessarily contrary to the holy inclination of his heart revealed in his law yet this does not at all hinder but that the crucifixion of christ considered with all those glorious consequences which were within the view of the divine omniscience might be indeed and therefore might appear to god to be a glorious event and consequently be agreeable to his will though this will may be secret that is not revealed in god's law and thus consider the crucifixion of christ was not evil but good if the secret exercises of god's will were of a kind that is dissimilar and contrary to his revealed will respecting the same or like objects if the objects of both were good or both evil then indeed to ascribe contrary kinds of volition or inclination to god respecting these objects would be to ascribe an inconsistent will to god but to ascribe to him different and opposite exercises of heart respecting different objects and objects contrary one to another is so far from supposing god's will to be inconsistent with itself then it cannot be supposed consistent with itself any other way for any being to have a will of choice respecting good and at the same time a will of rejection and refusal respecting evil is to be very consistent but the contrary viz to have the same will towards these contrary objects and to choose and love both good and evil at the same time is to be very inconsistent there is no inconsistence in supposing that god may hate a thing as it is in itself and consider it simply as evil and yet that it may be his will it should come to pass considering all consequences i believe there is no person of good understanding who will venture to say he is certain that it is impossible it should be best taking in the whole compass and extent of existence and all consequences in the endless series of events that there should be such a thing as moral evil in the world and if so it will certainly follow that an infinitely wise being who always chooses what is best must choose that there should be such a thing and if so then such a choice is not evil but a wise and holy choice and if so then the providence which is agreeable to such a choice is a wise and holy providence men do will sin as sin and so are the authors and actors of it they love it as sin and for evil ends and purposes god does not will sin as sin or for the sake of any thing evil though it be his pleasure so to order things that he permitting sin will come to pass for the sake of the great good that by his disposal shall be the consequence 
he is willing to order things so that evil should come to pass for the sake of the contrary good is no argument that he does not hate evil as evil and if so then it is no reason why he may not reasonably forbid evil as evil and punish it as such the armenians themselves must be obliged whether they will or no to allow a distinction of god's will amounting to just the same thing that calvinists intend by their distinction of a secret and revealed will they must allow a distinction of those things which god thinks best should be considering all circumstances and consequences and so are agreeable to his disposing will and those things which he loves and are agreeable to his nature in themselves considered who is there that will dare to say that the hellish pride malice and cruelty of devils are agreeable to god and what he likes and approves and yet i trust there is no christian divine but will allow that it is agreeable to god's will so to order and dispose things concerning them so to leave them to themselves and give them up to their own wickedness that this perfect wickedness should be a necessary consequence dr whitby's words plainly suppose and allow it these following things may be laid down as maxims of plain truth and indisputable evidence one that god is a perfectly happy being in the most absolute and highest sense possible two that it will follow from hence that god is free from everything that is contrary to happiness and so that in strict propriety of speech there is no such thing as any pain grief or trouble in god three when any intelligent being is really crossed and disappointed and things are contrary to what he truly desires he is the less pleased or has less pleasure his pleasure and happiness is diminished and he suffers what is disagreeable to him or is the subject of something that is of a nature contrary to joy and happiness even pain and grief from this last axiom it follows that if no distinction is to be admitted between god's hatred of sin and his will with respect to the event and the existence of sin as the all-wise determiner of all events under the view of all consequences through the whole compass and series of things i say then it certainly follows that the coming to pass of every individual act of sin is truly all things considered contrary to his will and that his will is really crossed in it and this in proportion as he hates it and as god's hatred of sin is infinite by reason of the infinite contrariety of his holy nature to sin so his will is infinitely crossed in every act of sin that happens which is as much as to say he endures that which is infinitely disagreeable to him by means of every act of sin that he sees committed and therefore as appears by the preceding positions he endures truly and really infinite grief or pain from every sin and so he must be infinitely crossed and suffer infinite pain every day in millions of millions of instances he must continually be the subject of an immense number of real and truly infinitely great crosses and vexations which would be to make him infinitely the most miserable of all beings if any objector should say all that these things amount to is that god may do evil that good may come which is justly esteemed immoral and sinful in men and therefore may be justly esteemed inconsistent with the moral perfections of god i answer that for god to dispose and permit evil in the manner that has been spoken of is not to do evil that good may come for it is not to do evil at all in order to a thing being morally evil there must be one of these things belonging to it either it must be a thing unfit and unsuitable in its own nature or it must have a bad tendency or it must proceed from an evil disposition and be done for an evil end but neither of these things can be attributed to god's ordering and permitting such events as the immoral acts of creatures for good ends one it is not unfit in its own nature that he should do so for it is in its own nature fit that infinite wisdom and not blind chance should dispose moral good and evil in the world and it is fit that the being who has infinite wisdom and is the maker owner and supreme governor of the world should take care of that matter and therefore there is no unfitness or unsuitableness in his doing it 
it may be unfit and so immoral for any other beings to go about to order this affair because they are not possessed of a wisdom that in any manner fits them for it and in other respects they are not fit to be trusted with this affair nor does it belong to them they not being the owners and lords of the universe we need not be afraid to affirm that if a wise and good man knew with absolute certainty it would be best all things considered that there should be such a thing as moral evil in the world it would not be contrary to his wisdom and goodness for him to choose that it should be so it is no evil desire to desire good and to desire that which all things considered is best and it is no unwise choice to choose that that should be which it is best should be and to choose the existence of that thing concerning which this is known viz that it is best it should be and so is known in the whole to be most worthy to be chosen on the contrary it would be a plain defect in wisdom and goodness for him not to choose it and the reason why he might not order it if he were able would not be because he might not desire it but only the ordering of that matter does not belong to him but it is no harm for him who is by right and in the greatest propriety the supreme orderer of all things to order everything in such a manner as it would be a point of wisdom in him to choose that they should be ordered if it would be a plain defect of wisdom and goodness in a being not to choose that that should be which he certainly knows it would all things considered be best should be as was but now observed then it must be impossible for a being who has no defect of wisdom and goodness to do otherwise than choose it should be and that for this very reason because he is perfectly wise and good and if it be agreeable to perfect wisdom and goodness for him to choose that it should be and the ordering of all things supremely and perfectly belongs to him it must be agreeable to infinite wisdom and goodness to order that it should be if the choice is good the ordering and disposing things according to that choice must also be good it can be no harm in one to whom it belongs to do his will in the armies of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth to execute a good volition if this will be good and the object of his will be all things considered good and best then the choosing or willing it is not willing evil that good may come and if so then his ordering according to that will is not doing evil that good may come two it is not of a bad tendency for the supreme being thus to order and permit that moral evil to be which it is best should come to pass for that it is of good tendency is the very thing supposed in the point now in question christ's crucifixion though a most horrid fact in them that perpetrated it was of a most glorious tendency as permitted and ordered of god three nor is there any need of supposing it proceeds from any evil disposition or aim for by the supposition what is aimed at is good and good is the actual issue in the final result of things end of part four section nine